Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast is sponsored by fine people like Morton S. Erickson. This is Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast. Stephanie Knows Who, The Move. is the second track on the Move's live EP, Something from the Move, released on June 21, 1968. It's a cover of the November 1966 song by Love. The song is about Stephanie Buffington, an 18-year-old whose songwriter Arthur Lee and Love guitarist Brian McLean were both sweet on. Love drummer Michael Stewart Ware said Stephanie was his girl when Lee wrote the tune. She became McLean's lady by the time they recorded the song. Lee, the song's writer, and the only one in the smitten triangle who didn't get his turn at Stephanie, was so cheesed off that he tried to kick Stuart Ware out of the band. Miss Stephanie, I'd eat bees for you. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. And Stephanie knows. Well, Stephanie knows who. Oh, Stephanie knows who? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought we were talking about the move, not the who. We are talking about the move, but Stephanie knows who. The move knows Stephanie, and Stephanie knows who. And from there is love, which will all make sense as we go on. (laughs) So Stephanie knows who, and I know that I hate this song. This sounds so atrocious that half of the planned album was scrapped, and it was just turned into an EP. And I'm just like, well... We'll slog through the five songs on here. Maybe there'll be some gems. But so far, I'm, I'm not gemmed with what I've been hearing. Although we're only two songs in, maybe things will pick up. And maybe somebody will stop abusing that goddamn wah-wah. <laughs> It's pretty much the same thing as, as last week. It's noise with a lot of over wah <laughs> It needs to stop, but I understand why it happens. It's because it's new. It's a new sound. And whenever there's something new that all the damn dirty hippies and freaked out musicians are crazy about, they use it a lot before they figure out the right way to use it. And the right way to use it is not to have what could be a, a nice song. And then your other guitar player is wow, 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 all over that. Fortunately, that stopped. And later on, Isaac Hayes and Stevie Wonder they figured out the proper use of the wah-wah where it's not obnoxious. It's there, it's used right, it makes for a fantastic song. But for now, 
Well, I guess it's like drinking from what I've heard. At first you just, this is great, and then you're just downing and downing and downing, and it doesn't go well. Until eventually you figure out where your stopping point should be, and then instead of being an obnoxious asshole, you're just a little loose. You figure out the point where you're not going to throw up over the balcony and fall asleep in, in the bathroom. <laughs> that, that was embarrassing. I've seen things happen to my friends when they were drunk, <laughs> and that's why I've never drank. Okay, my take on Stephanie Knows Who yeah. is, hey guys, we got a gig. <laughs> so, um, we've got to knock this out in 30 minutes, because we got to do another 30 minutes after this, and the other band's coming on, and we're going to knock this out as fast as possible, and I... Yeah. <laughs> Who knew the move would be so punk? <laughs> well, apparently the guy from the uh, Sex Pistols did, since he ripped off Firehouse for God Save the Queen, I believe it was, which we covered in episode negative 070, Fire Brigade. Yep, but I liked last week's better. So you want to be a rock and roll star, I'm quite sure was included in the set just to kind of be snarky. This was included because I'm sure that Roy Wood liked Love. The band yeah. who did the original the, the band, Love, with Arthur Lee. Right. And so he decided to include this in the repertoire. And problem, as much as he may have loved it, there were a few things missing. <laughs> like, um, say, a studio. Yeah other instruments that love liked to throw in mm -hmm. and he only had everybody in the mood and it sounds like they practiced this for five minutes backstage <laughs> yeah and okay guys let's do this one bev keep let's up yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's trying He's doing. To, Bev is back there trying to figure out what the hell everybody else is doing. He's he's doing as best as he can <laughs> with with who he's got. To nobody's work paying with. attention to him. <laughs> You're supposed to pay attention to the drummer so you can kind of keep things going. I mean, sometimes the drummer is not that good where he keeps speeding up and slowing down. But no, Bev's good. So Bev's sitting there going, "Okay, here's the pay." God. <laughs> what are you guys everybody. doing? <laughs> well that's probably what happens when half your band is on acid yeah even jefferson airplane for the most part didn't show up on stage or in the studio completely blitzed out of their mind right grace slick waited until they were starship to do that uh <laughs> well, jefferson starship jefferson yeah but uh yeah they even said that there was no way they could perform off on acid however from what i hear about ace kefford he probably thought he could <laughs> I don't hear any bass in this anyway. Well, you know, even, you know, bass was still with him at this time. I well, for, uh, first of all, the recording is so terrible that who knows if they did. It, you, you know, you probably can't hear the bass even if they did have the bass player there. Which I mean, I don't know if I can see the band going on without somebody playing bass, whether Ace was still with them or not. But since it's such a bad recording. I, you, you wouldn't be able to hear it very well, even if the bass player was there. I think if they did this in the studio, they may have done it better. Even though, from what I've heard of their other covers, they probably would have just done it the same. Yeah, that's true. But 
I don't hate it. It's just what it is. is an off-the-cuff cover that probably had about five minutes of practice, and they decided to just throw it into the set at the last moment. we got to pad things out. We only have one album, so... Yep. Well, shows back then were only 15 to 30 minutes anyway. I guess that's true, about 20 to 45 minutes, yeah. Yeah. As for the original version, I don't know how to feel about it. (laughs) I mean, it starts off, I think, musically, I like it. But when he starts singing... It's sort of like that Night Riders where uh, it's only the dog, where it sort of sounds like the lead singer has had quite a few beers and vodkas and rums and whatever else, and it's just drunkenly shouting the words. What's in your life, dear Stephanie? What's in your life for me? Aches and pains, they cloud your side. A tiger did, you said And then there's a part in the middle where it's either a jazz break or the acid is kicked in for all the band and they're each off playing their own different song, unaware of what the other people are playing. It's like there's parts of it that I like and there's parts of it that just, just... Drive me out of my mind that I can't listen to it. Yeah, Love was a very innovative band, musically. Yeah. Arthur Lee had some issues. He's a lead singer. As you can tell, he has a great soul voice. He does have that. Yes. Arthur Lee was one of the few African Americans in a psychedelic band. Oh, okay. But no, Arthur Lee, the guy who's behind the whole band and everything, basically. Problem is, yeah, um... He lasted a little bit longer than Sid Barrett. Oh, dear. But he had a lot of the same issues. Right. And uh, however, he made this album, DeCapo, and then he forever changes the one that follows, and that was the one, even though it didn't have the big hit on it, it was the one that was really innovative and that got everybody's attention. I think DeCapo was the one that had Seven and Seven Is and My Little Red Book, which were the radio hits. But that instrumentation here on this, on their next album, that's basically where it goes. Well, this is something else about Love that kind of bugged me. And it's not Love's fault. The one I heard on YouTube, it sounds really great. And it came mm-hmm. out a year before The Move and The Idol Race. And I don't understand why they have a great sound, sonically, at least on the record. And all the move and the idle race stuff sounds muddled. It's like they had the really good TDK, super expensive, great tape, and the move and the idle race are using the 90-minute Kmart cassette. Because there's a lot of stuff from the late 60s that sounds really good. And then there's some stuff that sounds like it was recorded. Yeah, some ass <laughs> mowing the lawn. You couldn't have waited 10 more minutes. And then the move in the Idle Race stuff sounds like somebody put a tape in one of those little portable tape recorders and said, let's go, and maybe channeled it through like a four-track home mixer. Well, their live album definitely sounds like that. <laughs> live, albums, live album sounds like somebody had, had one of those micro cassette recorders and put it in their pocket and then just pushed record. And, and, and that's, that's what we get from the back of the, heard from the back of the bar. Also, 
let's just say that there's a lot of modern musicians that worshipped at the feet of Arthur Lee. Indie rock wouldn't exist pretty much without him. Well, 7 and 7 is has been recorded and recorded and re-recorded by artists over and over again. It was their top 40 hit, basically. So they're very, very influential. This song, Stephanie Knows Who, is not one of my favorites by them, though. <laughs> because the vocals don't match the music. Yeah, that's another issue. I see where he was headed with it, where he was trying to do, but it conflicts. And I think that's what Roy was trying to do. I'm, but whoever's singing on the move version was trying to imitate what was on the Love album. And doesn't sound as like he showed up drunk in the studio, but it still just <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. No, as no, well. it does not work. Yeah. But My Neighbor's Lawnmower is working really well. Yeah, I can tell. Mm. <laughs> so before they bring the leaf blowers over, I think we might just say, unless you got anything else to say about Stephanie Knows Who. No, we're about to get cut off in about six minutes anyway, so it's time for me to slaughter my neighbor. <laughs> I mowed a bird in 1983. It's time for me to mow a neighbor. Got something to say about Stephanie Knows Who. Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Meow. Christmas Carol Catastrophes, a podcast covering the oddest Christmas songs to ever be unleashed on an unsuspecting public. First episode comes out November 17th. Feast the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra podcast channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELOpod or PayPal using the podcast's email address. Or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next week, something else. Um, yeah, EPJ, discuss. Am I saving it or? I'm saving project, okay, discuss. Um, I don't know, although in, I don't know what, five and a half, six and a half years, it's the only time the lawnmower is very hearable, or that we had any kind of background that I just can't get rid of.
Oh, you f***er. Now you stop. <laughs> Shuts it off.